And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo, and I am extremely hot. It is nearly 25 degrees in this large metal container that I call an office. Not quite that warm outside, but it's very warm, particularly for Ireland in this time of year. And uh, as much as I welcome the sun in, as it makes it a bit feel a bit more like it isn't the end of the world, that there is, you know, uh, literally sunshine about, and you know, sunshine and happiness and all of these type of things, it can be quite hot. And yesterday's video, when I was looking at it to play back, I can notice that my face is a bit moist. <laughs> Such is life. Please, please ignore my moist face. What I wanted to talk about in this video is just kind of a warning and a kind of uh, a bit of a tip for people who are now going to spend their, you know, their extra free time doing some sort, something creative, as an awful lot of people are. It's just the warning is that you are going to find that there's going to be an awful lot of frustrations in doing things you think should be very simple things to do. I'll give you an example. My wife uh, teaches yoga and because all the classes have now been cancelled and you're not allowed social gatherings and stuff like that, she decided to do some videos and upload them so that the, her students could, you know, stay in touch and they could still do a practice and all that kind of uh, remote kind of location teaching, this type of thing. And immediately her uh, camera app stopped working. Um, you know, those things like where it wouldn't save, a video wouldn't record, or she had no problem with this kind of before. Um, then wouldn't upload to YouTube or upload it and it, was, you know, it went missing or it was the wrong way around, or loads of different things, like the aspect ratio went all crazy. And she's going, oh, I'm just not going to do it. And I was going, no, stop. This is part of the journey, sadly. And this is something we come all up against. And I was talking to Spud about it and we instantly had a laugh about it because we just recognise it instantly that it's a, just a thing. It seems, it almost seems like um, from a woo perspective that the universe tries to make it as hard as possible to, uh, uh, you know, to help you to, it makes it as hard as possible to not help you to make your art as if it's trying to make it just that, you know, more arduous than it needs to be. I don't know what that is. I, I assume it's not the case. But it's just that's how it feels. But we know from working with computers that they just seem to have a life of their own, of their own, and just don't want to behave in the way that, like they should. And it defies logic. Some of the reasons, some of the things the computers do, that you just go, why, why would that happen? But yet it does. And that translates into kind of doing anything with, um, you know, video cameras or art or whatever it is you're trying to do. So what I'm really trying to say is, when this pops up in your life, and it will, it's just a thing. It's like ninety percent. This is an exaggerated, uh, exaggerated statistic uh, for effect. But say like 90% or something equivalent uh, of your creative time will be spent fixing problems. 10% will be doing the creative thing. Whether that be taking videos and them not uploading properly or trying to realign out of sync audio, cameras not working, people coming, you know, ma making noise, trucks, any amount of things that can happen. There's a great camera conspiracies video, and if I can find it, I'll link it in the show description, where he's talking about this very thing. He says as soon as he goes to do anything personal, meaningful, in this case making vlogs, um, it's as if, you know, people go out of their way to annoy him, so it'll be like um, roadworks will start happening outside his door, he'll walk down the street, and you know, it'll be closed, or the light will go away, and all this kind of a series of unfortunate events that if you took personally, you would, uh, you know, find it very hard to continue because it would feel like a very adversarial kind of a relationship you're having with your art, which is not what you want. But it is something you're going to come up against, I guarantee you. And when my wife came up against it, she was kind of going, I just want to do this, I don't want to deal with it. And I goes, no, this is it. This is what you have to deal with. This is part of the process. This is worth getting through because you end up with something that you really like. 
So I implore you to persevere in your creativity and push through no matter what the kind of technology problems, the uh, time problems that you'll find or people in it, the annoyances, all of these things that'll come around where things don't seem to want to fit into place in the exact kind of way that you, you would hope they would when you start finally doing your creative thing. I've talked about this before in many places where I go, we have this kind of bad sense of that if once you show up that the universe will do basically all the work for us because we hear many actors and successful people talking about, you know, just um, I turned up, did my thing and then, you know, the universe looked after me and you know, breaks came from everywhere. I got loads of good luck. And for most of us, that doesn't happen quite to the way that the most success, successful of successful uh, happened for. We seem to have to want to, uh, a need to work a bit more about it, but we can get very frustrated when you're told that the universe is going to show up and help you, and then it doesn't. And in fact, it feels like the universe is kind of hindering you. Now, I won't get too far into weird territory. There's many reasons I have why I think that happens, but to avoid frustration is just don't rely on the universe or the world or technology being on your side. Um, just think or understand or allow the fact that technology is imperfect and that computers are crap, <laughs> video cameras are crap, paintbrushes are terrible, um, your dancing shoes are going to hurt you, uh, or whatever it is. I'll not list uh, more unfortunate uh, uh, art or creative stuff. Um, but persevere, please persevere. You get used to it. You get used to the crushing, <laughs> the crushing kind of uh, weight of uh, things not working and not working out and things being made harder. But at the end of it, you feel better for it. You, you don't really. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to <laughs> give you courage. You just feel re relieved that you've have it done. And some days, it's not every day, some day you record your video, everything's in zinc, it uploads to YouTube, people love you, people come from the street and give you a round of applause and tell you you're a wonderful person and everything goes well. Doesn't happen too often, <laughs> but some days it does. So I'll not ramble on too much, but just to sum up, if you're doing something new creative, you're going to come up against obstacles that you don't think of fail. That's just the way it seems to work. You just persevere through it and do your art anyway. And don't give up. And don't take it personally. And don't feel that the world or the universe is out to get you. Or at least it's not trying to help you. It's, uh, that's just the process of being creative. And uh, so be it. So it is. So, good people of the internet, until our next adventure, be well and be safe. Hello, good people of the internet. It's I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And uh, this is another going to be kind of diary type one. Here last night in Ireland, we had uh, a further lockdown, and uh, things have got quite restrictive here, quite restrictive indeed, in that we're not allowed to leave the house basically at all unless you have to get food or, you know, something really essential. And even the exercise thing you can only do on your own one person or your you know you can take a child with you but there's still sort of some thing about they have to be two meters away from me or something it's kind of vague uh, wording so me and, and Vanessa my wife can't walk together we can't leave the house together and I understand that but it's like it's a bit one of the things that was keeping me sane was going on this daily walk that's with my wife and my child and stuff and now that's taken away the other thing that's been taken away in it is Gamecrafter has closed down. Gamecrafter is the company that um, makes the 47th deck. They've shut down until the end of April. Um, 
So that's that's worrying from a financial point of view for me because I assume now I'm not even getting paid for the decks that have been sold because they've stopped producing them. Not that there was many decks being sold in the last two weeks. Like the, the last sale I did, which was the coronavirus St. Patrick's Day sale, like um, I think three decks sold uh, in the whole thing, like for the, over the two weeks and nonsense. Uh, so like it's just I'm beginning, <laughs> I'm beginning to get very much into the whole kind of panic of a financial thing. There's stuff coming out with my wife as well because there's things are all up in the air over what way her uh, money is going to be and stuff because she works in childcare and that's all a big mess at the minute. Uh, and I got a flat tire this morning, which I mean, I'm not that I can go anywhere because we're only allowed to, we have to stay within two kilometers of our house anyhow. But it's just like waking up and it's like, going, I'm trying my best today. I'm trying my best. I'm trying to do my positivity. I'm trying to see everything is good. And it's just like a series, <laughs> a series of events that is just kind of um, making it very hard. But what can I do? Worry about it. Like no one has money at the minute, I suppose. Like, you know, everyone's worried about their financial future. Everyone's income is kind of falling apart. But because I'm in a kind of a self-employed thing, I don't, at least I don't think, um, I'm, you know, I don't qualify for the kind of the state money that's been given out for people who've lost their jobs and stuff. Other than if I actually just shut down everything, which means would, you know, stop the YouTube, stop, take all my books off Amazon, um, you know, shut down the game crafter thing, um, the Patreon, all that like it, but I'd never get that back. Like that would be literally deciding that I'm not doing this anymore. Because if I did like if I did that, like what what does ceasing trading actually mean? It means stopping trading all of the things I do, so I wouldn't be doing videos. So I don't want to do that. I want to hold out as much as possible on trying to keep the Kelly Empire together, keeping adventures and woo as a you know as a as a thing. But it's getting tough. And as you may have noticed, I'm getting um we're getting concerned. But as I said in other videos, like it's you know, things happen very quick around here, you know, twenty-four hours is um you know, game the whole game can change in twenty-four hours. And while at the minute it seems to be getting harder and harder, I assume it can also change very quickly for a positive kind of slants. And I'm still kind of positive that the overall thing it'll as a society I think we'll come out of this as a more positive kind of thing. Um, there will be, you know, good things come out of this. But right in the heart of it right now, and it's really, it's like there's literally no more restrictions that the government can place on us without saying you no longer can actually eat either. You know, you're not allowed to go out and get food. That's, or your medicine or whatever it is. Like, um, there's no more that can be done. But I don't know, like, I mean, I, I understand the kind of drive that's uh, to people, like, when is, I'm, and I'm not with it, I, th I think what we're doing is right, uh, you know, but I can understand the kind of feeling that, like, when is um, doing all of these things worth it for economy and I, that, and it's like, I'm definitely 100% not in the boat of, let's kill all our uh, grandparents, you know, so that the stock market can stay kind of some way a viable thing. I'm not, and like, I think it's worth me going through financial hardship or financial, not even hardship yet, but financial worry and all that to save lives. I'm totally, I'm, I'm with it. I'm okay with it. I think it's a good thing. It's fine. Um, but it's also, I'm okay to worry about it. You know, like, I mean, it's a, it's a concern. It's just, I, I, but I'm not complaining. I don't think it's an unfair thing to ask of people. As yet, give me a week and if they start saying, <laughs> if they do bring in more restrictions or, you know, 
things do fall apart a bit more. I don't know. I don't know people. Like I'm trying to be as kind of honest and open with these as possible. So what's the point otherwise, you know? But I think we can be hopeful. I think still in the face of it, you know, because the worry, worrying about it isn't going to solve it. And so say you worry about it and then the thing that you worry about happens, then it's happened. But you've also had the suffering of the worry. So you've had the event and the terrible things leading up to it in your mind. At least if you have some sort of hope, you're positive about it. And even if it does turn out, to everything fall apart and your worst fears realised. You still haven't suffered through the worrying and the negativity and the despair up to it. So from a pure, pragmatic, practical point of view, I'm going to be as optimistic and as, uh, as I can be um, because it'll make the journey, even if the journey ends up being ultimately bad, which I don't think it will be, um, it makes the journey easier. And it's, you know, fight your battles in a sense or, you know, minimise the kind of the damage that we do to our psyches in this. And I think very easily, I could very easily give in to the darkness. And I don't want to because I've been feeling good and I've, the, the positivity has been good for my soul. But uh, I hope I can sustain it. I also know I need a haircut. <laughs> That's the other thing. And I'm sure we're all... Uh, a bit like that but I'm kind of okay because uh, I have uh, I have a wife who will cut my hair for me with, uh, and clippers and stuff my, my hair my style is kind of easy enough to do so uh, yeah good people of the internet be safe be kind and uh, be well until our next adventure Hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo. And in this episode, I want to talk a bit about something I've talked about before on uh, the video, the appreciation video. And it's uh, something I just want to enlarge, enlarge a bit on or talk a bit more around. And it's this idea of um, within this kind of weird times or this kind of semi-apocalypse that we're going through, that we uh, should spend our resources, our finances, our time, and uh, that kind of thing on stuff that we would like to see uh, be in existence when all of this is over. Now, obviously, from uh, my point of view, being a creative and being an artist in this, I'm very kind of aware of how much I am kind of dependent on on people to can be able to continue doing what I'm doing. And I have the greatest kind of community around me. They're just wonderful people, from the Patreon people to Discord people to the Facebook people, and to people who just kind of you know send me emails and you know nice thoughts and all of this type of thing. It's really, it's, it's wonderful. And over the last couple of days, I've had a number of people who, after my last video, were kind of panicking a bit about the future because things were all a bit up in the air. And, you know, people sent me some loves, people sent me some money, people sent me, you know, all the best wishes, some good juju and magic from all around the world. And it was lovely and I'm massively appreciative of it. And there's kind of, in a sense, when you get that kind of outpouring of, uh, of love from people, and particularly when, you, you know, people send you cash or send you money, there's a part of me that has this Catholic guilt that feels that I need to give something in return. And I mean, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, Catholicism's not all bad, like as much as I tend to say it is. But 
taking something like the, the Gibo rune or the giver from the 47s, which is pretty much the same kind of energy. It's just the idea of that when something is given and when you give something, you're getting uh, into a contract with the person to have a, an exchange or a sort of reciprocal kind of uh, relationship with them. So that if you, you know, if someone gives you something, there, then there's kind of an onus on you to return something. Like if someone gives you a birthday present, then there's kind of a, an implication or that you have to give them something back. And uh, so it's just kind of when people, when you just kind of put up that whole thing of, um, you know, you know, here PayPal donations or something like that. There's a part of me that feels a bit, you know, feels a bit dirty about the whole thing and a bit kind of, um, I don't know, just not right. So what I thought I would do, what it would be a better kind of a thing in the kind of whole thing of if you want to support me, and I'll talk a bit about supporting other artists in a minute, but just let's talk about me for a minute. So what I thought I would offer something in return for people who were in a situation and wanted to send me monies, you know, just to, to keep going for, you know, the, the next duration. And that was what I put together a package and I'm calling it the Corona Bundle. And it's basically, um, now that the game crafter has stopped making decks and that the Amazon has kind of slowed way down, if you try to order any of the print on demand books from Amazon, there's like a three week waiting list, which I assume, you know, could get extended out depending on how long this goes on, that I'd, I'd offer the digital versions of these books to people uh, so that, uh, and you know, the deck and stuff like that, so that, you know, at least it's, people are still able to interact with all this kind of stuff. So I put a package together which is the Grimoire as a PDF, the digital deck, which is the printable version of the deck, the unifying sigil, the four devils. So that's kind of the 47 things. Then the next bit is all my comics, again, in PDF. So you have them, the holy numbers, Great Walk 1 and 2, Down, Zara Rogers, Complete Road Crew, For Sale, a couple of others. So that, that's, a, you know, that's pretty much all my comics. There's a few one-pagers, two-pagers here and there that's, just aren't in it because I've got them in it. I've only thought about them now. Um, and then there's a, an EP I did uh, a couple of years ago, which I really, really, really enjoy. And it was like kind of the pinnacle of my music kind of career. And it kind of ended the, my music career. And it was, it's like a, something I'm very proud of that people just didn't enjoy or didn't like. But I, you know, it's exactly what I wanted. It was like a very much a fulfillment, um, a perfect fulfillment of my vision uh, from what, what I would set out to do and how it finished. So I'm really happy with it. So I'd like more people to hear it. And so it's, it's a pay, pay as you want. So it's basically, it, it's in, you have to pay at least a cent and that's just to kind of get it out of the, uh, the free zone. Because when you do things free, it's kind of weird because you get an awful lot of people who just download stuff and then don't care about it. Uh, you know, but at least if you put in one a cent, it means that it kind of bumps you up into the, you know, you have to actually pay something. So you have to have an account, all of these things. And it's a bit, I know it's a bit businessy and stuff like that, but it's it just, it's how it is. But like, it's a cent. But I, just so you know that unless you, you, I think, I don't know, it's 40 or 50 cent or something that I still don't get any money because PayPal, like if you uh, if you send someone a euro and PayPal, PayPal take 40 cent of that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I thought in the kind of reciprocal thing of that, if you wanted to help me, then you could send me some money and get some stuff in return. And also, if you're in a situation where you're also not uh, able to have much money, but you still want all these things, you can get it for a cent. So everyone kind of wins. My Catholic guilt is, is you know, kept in place. The Pope will still love me and Jesus will think I'm a good guy. Um, so the links will be in the, sh the show description below. Um, it's a pay hip link and uh, you have to pay VAT if you're in the EU, but blame the government. That's not my fault. Um, so just a kind of more general thing about this whole idea of supporting that which we want to keep about after. And obviously it's very obvious when it comes to artists and say musicians, you know, uh, who are, you know, you can, 
and you can play them on Spotify, but I think only you two get money on Spotify going by what I, I read on Reddit. But uh, you certainly can um, support people in a, a number of ways that's not necessarily financial. Of course, the financial thing is a great thing, you know, buy people's art, you know, buy their CDs if, if that's a thing with music or um, whatever, you know, how, how you can sort of buy books, you know, buy the actual books, buy comics buy prints, all of these type of things. But there's plenty of other things you can do to help people as well, like support them in by getting the word out there, like uh, sharing posts, liking posts, and um, telling people about, uh, you know, the, the artists you're into, you know, sharing videos, commenting, leaving good reviews, uh, leaving good ratings. Like if you love a podcast, do leave the iTunes review because that does make a hell of a difference to people. Like it, it gets them, bumps them up where more people can see them. And, you know, it's the same with the books on Amazon. If you can leave people good, you know, your favorite authors, leave them a five-star review. If you can leave a, a few words as well of review, that helps better. That, that, that keeps it rather than just, uh, you know, the five stars, whatever. Getting an actual review does help all these out. So even those little things that you, you don't think matter much, do. The retweets does really help, you know, really does help people uh, get the word out and stuff like that. But also, not just artists and not just creative people, not just musicians or photographers or, or whoever it is. Like, I kind of have this notion of, you know, be, have a bit more kind of think locally, act globally, that whole thing. But like, rather than trying to get, you know, maybe the book on Amazon, maybe get it in your local shop, your local bookshop if you can. You know, try to keep them in business. Or if you have a, a local kind of supermarket that's more locally owned and a kind of a bigger chain store, maybe buy the stuff there. So to keep... You know, the people who are going to struggle that wee bit more in these kind of times to keep them afloat. Now, I know that's not always practical and it's not always good because I know if I was ordering a book in the bookshop here in 10, then they wouldn't have any of the books that I would be wanting to read at all. It's just not that, you know, why would they? I live in a very small town. So if I was going to order a book in there, they're essentially just going to order it off Amazon, get it delivered and charge me a couple of extra quid for, you know, for doing that. So, I mean... I understand it's not always the you know a good kind of good thing to do uh, or good sense thing to do but if you can you know buy the books that you see there or buy the magazines and buy all that kind of thing and you know like anyone who's local to you or you you know support your friends support all these things but I suppose there's the whole thing then you're getting into oh yeah you know you should support people you don't know to I don't know I think you understand the spirit of what I'm saying without I suppose getting too much into the, the actual technicalities of of these things so again, it's just the whole idea of have a look around at what you would like to see to continue to be about when this is all over. Be that art, be that local kind of business, be that relationships or whatever it is. And then foster that and encourage that. If you can with your money, if you can't with your time and, you know, or, you know, with your social media presence or whatever it is you can offer and do all of these things. And of course, I'm going to be doing these things as well. Um, so that when this is all over, um, all of the good things still exist. So I hope you forgive me for the uh, kind of sales pitch in this one, but such uh, such it is. Um, and good people of the internet, until our next time, be safe, be kind, and be well. Hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo And in this episode, I thought I would talk about the light and breezy and not at all heavy topic of what happens when we die. Now, I have no idea what happens when we die, and I'm highly suspicious of anyone who says they do. 
Although that said, I suppose there is a part of me that still kind of thinks that there's some kind of Eastern mystic. I don't know why they're all Eastern, but in my head, all the real, you know, cool spiritual dudes, the really adept, you know, the masters are all Eastern. I suppose that's just because of theosophy and this kind of stereotypical, possibly, probably racist kind of, well, is it racist when you're, you're kind of elevating people? It is because you're still separating races. We're all the same race. Anyway, getting off track. Anyway. In some part of the world, I am sure there's someone who has been um, really progressing spiritually and it's some sort of spiritual master who may, in fact, know what happens when we die. And I know that I've met people who certainly claim to know. But I still think we should be suspicious of it because we don't know. Anyway, to get on to the actual topic, what do I think happens when we die? Well, this has changed many times over the years from uh, depending on what kind of paradigm I've been enjoying at the time. Um, for a long while I did kind of growing up being that I was a Catholic and all that I had that kind of heaven and hell dichotomy where you know good people went to this cloud city <laughs> and hung out with white robes and you did kind of believe that because that's literally what you were told to believe and that you know hell was although hell I, you know we have this kind of thing of fire and brimstone but in my kind of head when I was a kid it was like a number of cells like stone cells like prisons where uh, everyone kind of went in and had their own individual torture I'm sure I must have seen that in a film or something. So what I actually kind of think now is um, that I don't know, <laughs> as I said, but it, that one of the things that keeps coming back to me about what it feels most likely, say there is, let's accept for the moment that there is more going on than what the reductionist materialists think. And that when you die, some form of you continues to live. I highly doubt that Tommy Kelly continues to live in any way that uh, would be recognisable recognizable to Tommy Kelly or to other people. And uh, as Brad Warner always point, points out, he goes like, if reincarnation is a thing, if it's true, then it doesn't matter because we can't remember our past lives. And this, we are the reincarnated person. And so all the things that have gone before us are kind of, you know, irrelevant for the most part because they're not actually playing a part in your life. Now, I know you can say there's a karma thing and there's life lessons and spirit families and all this. But in general, we're not aware of it. We don't know. We can't see the ties. We can only kind of um, infer that maybe we have a closeness to other people that we don't, you know, they're close to some people that we don't have to other people that we might, you know, decide is some sort of soul contact or something. But again, we don't know. So I would assume that when you die, what happens is that um, all of the things not assume what I, I, I you know maybe this is my current kind of what I'm thinking about so when you die all of your actions and all of the your interactions and all of the things that you've happened that have happened to you all of the you know your life's history um, all the emotion is stripped from it and that you're kind of presented it with it just as a from like a, a very kind of objective view of it and you, you know if well I mean this is kind of Riding on the, the kind of idea that, you know, we're on some sort of learning thing or that we're a part of, you know, it's an ev evolving thing like evolution. If, you know, Alan Chapman and amongst others talks about that, you know, the, the lesser informs the bigger or the, the lesser is found within the bigger and the greater and the greater is found within the lesser. So if evolution is a thing that happens on this planet, which, you know, it certainly seems to be the best theory going, um, then that also would suggest that in the microcosm in the you know of evolution here on the planet, the macrocosm would suggest that there's an evolution going on there too, because you know it's 
found in the lesser found in the greater. So that's a bit going on the principle that it's some sort of evolution thing. So that if when we die and you pull away all of the emotions surrounding things and you see things ob objectively, you have obviously an objective view in your life and what you know could have been better, what could have been worse, what you could have done, or some sort of I don't know, like you know, your life flashes before your eyes, or you know, there's some sort of recounting that goes on, whether that's just you know, pulling you out of your, you know, the, like if you were in a, in, in a game, I suppose, if this was a simulation and you, you come out, you have to kind of re-acclimatise to the real world and perhaps that's some way of taking that out. But uh, the most thing that people kind of do is just, you know, to see they have loved loved ones coming to them and there's like, you know, a bright light and there's all of this um, sense of love and joy. Apart from, uh, there was a documentary I watched once where some people had a very hellish experience of, uh, you know, like near-death experiences. So I don't know, there's a, another kind of book I read, I think I found through RuneSoup, which was saying that um, one of the things that nurses know in nursing homes is when the um, patients are going to die before, you know, like the medical, before their doctor knows, or like, you know, there's an actual medical reason, because they start talking or seeing people that are dead. So that's interesting, whether that's true or not, that's something that I found that we're not really allowed to talk about because it's kind of in the woo territory. But even if it is just a sort of a, a brain function that happens, it's still an interesting thing and it still, you know, consoles people. And it's, a, you know, for um, the people who recount <clears throat> these type of stories, it seems to be a pleasurable thing for people where they have um, to sort out some, you know, past relationships or some sort of falling outs and, you know, things can get kind of uh, finished. And complete before they, they move on which i think that's quite nice and i hope that's true i would say that or i would believe or i'm currently thinking whatever no definites in any of this that um if there is if we are to go with the kind of the right hand path of things that you're returning to the godhead or whatever when you die then there would be no individuality and you kind of your part of consciousness the greater consciousness that is kind of the pinpoint that came into this life say when that goes i'd say you kind of return to the big things so that there's no kind of independent i'm not really convinced on reincarnation anyway but i'm not really convinced on that there's some unique individualish individualized me that goes from life to life to life it seems more likely that if there is a kind of a consciousness that's ejecting into the world that it would eject inject excuse me um and then, you know, just return to the bigger thing rather than having tiny little individual parts of itself that goes around the world <laughs> and learn or, you know, get into life or whatever. But I don't know. It's kind of it's an interesting kind of thought or, you know, mind game to kind of play. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice on my throat was getting very dry. So ultimately, um, the, the thing of that, uh, like, when I met Stuart Wilde, he was... Uh, I was obviously very excited. I was quite young at the time and, you know, he was one of my heroes, my spiritual heroes and all this. And uh, he had a load of, uh, not a load, he had a couple of people around him, like not hangers on, but kind of minders or, I don't know, part of his entourage or whatever. And he got one of them to uh, chill me out because I was obviously, you've seen my energy was very spiky and stuff like that. I know, very woo. But uh, she put her hands on my head and, on, and kind of calmed me down. And what she said to me is that I'm not terrified of dying, I'm terrified of living. And I kind of went, oh, that's very trite and, you know, thing. but I think that's true. I'm not actually terrified of, of dying, even though that when I look at things like when I, uh, I'm going to die, that it worries and bothers me. I'm not afraid of the dead bit. 
I suppose I'm afraid of the what leads up to it you know like the sickness the feeling alone and having to go through it alone seems to be a big thing for me in that this is the thing that you do totally by yourself no one can come with you um, and that's kind of that's the bit it's like the dead bit like because if there's nothing if you die and that's it grand I'm 100% okay with that because how can you not be 100% okay with that I think people who anyone is not okay with that kind of feels that their consciousness is just sitting in a black eater you know floating around forever or whatever but if you go to sleep and then just never wake up but you're not dreaming you're not doing anything there's nothing there what's there to worry about you just you know you're dead it's over that's it grand at that in fact in many different times in my life I was, I was like I would see would not seek it but I would have been consoled by that kind of like grand at least it's over you know at some point I'll get a rest and it'll be done it's not rest you can you come back from them I suppose but if this idea of that when you die and then you instantly go into another body and you come back and you wonder kids scream when they go, oh, I'm not here again, you know. Crowley says, I think there's just like a six month period between lives. But I think he was kind of <laughs> saying things like that so he could work out uh, the cool people that he could have been in the, in the past, um, even if it didn't line up with birth dates and stuff like that. So I don't know exactly what the, the when the soul would enter the, the body. And that's a huge debate of when a, an embryo. Uh, becomes human and all that and uh, I am not a medical doctor so I am not going to weigh in that at all but yeah so I mean there's loads of different things the border stuff from the Tibetan Buddhism is interesting that you know you hang around your body for a number of days and prayers and things have to be said over to you uh, to get you know your journey along the way the Egyptians have similar things well you know they're so concerned about the journey and that you can get lost even George Harrison and uh, through his like Krishna stuff would be that you're constantly his practice, his spiritual practice is practicing for death. So at the moment of death, you're prepared for it and you're able to, you know, die in the way that you want. Because they would believe the Hare Krishnas that your mind at the moment of death is what determines what your next life has been. So you can have an entire life of being wonderfully great. And at the moment of you die, you've, you know, you, you, um, Think of something horrible or you know you think of something selfish or fearful or whatever that is the thing that determines what happens to you next so you're practicing you know you're chanting you're keeping god consciousness you're building all this so at the moment of your death you can remain god consciousness and then return to god because that would be of the very much the right hand part of they want to return to god rather than the left hand delineation take it for what you will which is to be you know your own god or, you know, to evolve to be your own God, which is probably, I think, seems to make more sense because in the God thing of God is God, why would he limit himself to then become God again? You know, Alan Motts has loads of different things over that, that it's a hide and seek game and all of that. And I've talked a bit about that before. If you're interested in that, check out Alan Motts. Whereas with the kind of seeing the whole thing as a re the reproduction cycle of a god where a god splits off to become many gods and then that's the you know the evolutionary thing seems more likely to me uh, as a thing but again don't know so it's a bit a bit rambly of course uh, as it has to be because like there's no facts around these type of things and there's probably you know if i was sitting here talking to you we could have many more kind of ideas around us and um battle it out a bit more not battle it out batter it out a bit more but what are your thoughts what what do you think happens when you die what what um what do you believe what would you like to happen what do you think is going to happen and uh 
do you feel that if is reincarnation a thing for you is um you know is this whole idea of that you know energy can't be destroyed does that mean the consciousness goes go goes on does consciousness cease to exist when we die are you a reductionist materialist if you are very unlikely that you're watching this video but maybe you are maybe you are who am i to say so good people of the internet until our next adventure and we'll see you tomorrow and be safe be well and may your best days be ahead later And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures Moo. And in this episode, I want to talk a bit more about, um, well, give you a bit of an update, I suppose, on what's going on with the new comic. First of all, though, as you have no may notice, I have uh, got my hair cut. Thank the gods. It was getting a bit unruly. And uh, I was getting a wee bit ashamed of it. I wasn't really at all, actually, to be fair. I didn't even know anything about it until uh, that 10 minutes a day when I switched on the video camera and had to look at myself. But I got it done this morning. And I do actually feel that the, um, better when I get a haircut. There's kind of a thing that I feel that when you get a haircut, there's also like a new start or there's some kind of, you know, reset or something happens. I can't really explain it. But I have talked to other people who have a kind of similar kind of feel about haircuts that they can, in some way, it's a reinvention or a reinvigoration of themselves. So um, it's a magical act in some way. Unless, of course, you're Samson and then you lose all your magic power by getting your haircut and then you probably shouldn't. So, I've been watching Spud's vlogs, and if you aren't watching Spud's vlogs, you should watch Spud's vlogs, because he's doing 30 of them, or he's doing a 30-day challenge um, of a video every day, apart from at the weekend. Um, and he has a very kind of uh, conversational, an awful lot more kind of relaxed kind of approach to his videos, which I kind of really enjoy. Um, and it was my in initial idea in these was just to have a bit more kind of conversation where I would just literally talk about what was ever going on. And it kind of turned into these topic type things which I, I've, I've mentioned this before and you know I'm very fine with that um, but I kind of when I was looking at Spud's uh, videos there's a part of me going oh yeah that's that's what I was meant to do um, and, in, and in a sense just not take it's I suppose not take it so seriously and that some of the videos that I, I've kind of noticed that if there's a couple of mistakes I'll, I'll stop it and I'll try it again and stuff and I, it's just like the whole point of these is that it's not to be um, too much work you know it's just kind of I also noticed that I shouldn't, I've been spending a couple of videos talking about how uh, I should approach the videos and uh, I should just probably do the videos. Anyway, it's a lovely day today here in uh, Ireland and we have the sun out and there's a lovely heat coming around. Um, but it's got very quiet, it's got very kind of silent and I went out for a walk last night and literally for most of it I didn't see anyone else. But we have got our... Um, new cases. It's meant to, uh, the coronavirus, the kind of the curve is that it's 30% uh, exponential increase in cases every day. And in Ireland at the minute, last time I checked, it was down to 15. So that's good news. I was asking people today, or I was asking Spud anyway, like, how do we know when this is over? What is the kind of um, things that have to be in place or things that have to happen where we can say this is ended? Because I don't really know what the end goal is because I was thinking, well, if there's no new cases in Ireland, that's still not it because if there's like cases still going on over the world, it's not as if we can open up the borders again and let people back in because that just you know reset, resets everything. So is it a case that it's like um, an effective treatment has to be found, that there's a certain amount of cases worldwide that have to be, you know, everything has to get to zero? Is it, I suppose we're suggesting that maybe it was 
case that it has to get to the same numbers as the normal flu, which I assume it probably has or is less in Ireland, because I'm sure more people this time last year would have had the flu than this because there was no social distancing and there was no things in place. So I don't know. So if you do know what the answer is, how do we know when this is all over? Is it just that someone on the news will come in and go, it's all over? Uh, but what are the kind of things that need to happen for it to be considered, you know, beaten or finished? Anyway, I was going to talk about my comic. Last night, I had a wonderful time when I went to bed and I was finished reading and I just kind of lying in a kind of relaxed, receptive kind of state. And then um, the whole, I had, the whole of the comic, of the, the whole intro section just started playing out in my mind, kind of like a download, like it just all came in. They're not kind of all in one piece. There was a bit of kind of trying to work it out. There was a bit of kind of structure my brain was putting on it. But for the most part, it all, you know, each scene and each thing that I wanted to happen or each thing that I felt I was preparing for just kind of arrived in, in, in a kind of complete form of what the entire scene is meant to be. It's a very odd thing and it's a very thing I find hard to explain. Um, it's almost as if all the prep work, in a sense, what I've been doing up to now around the comic has been in order to allow space for this thing to arrive rather than trying to hammer it out or trying to kind of you know mold it or create it now that's not to say that you know that i wasn't thinking about things all the things i said in the the previous kind of rambly video about my creative process i still was you know was putting structure together wasn't coming up with a story was kind of working on characters was working on the art but it was all kind of precursory to this kind of thing that happened last night was then when the kind of idea if to use Alan Moore's type of kind of uh, languages, if, you know, it came from idea space and then came down as a kind of a fully more formed, complete package. And it, it, it's, that's the thing I've been waiting for. Like, and as I knew it arrived because it arrived with, you know, it arrived with Holy Numbers, it arrived with them. Holy Numbers was, it was kind of more of a process than them because them just kind of arrived wholesale, kind of, I knew what I was doing. The character arrived and I very quickly, from um, when I kind of decided I was going to do something to start and so it was like a, a like really quick a couple of weeks fortnight something like that whereas with the holy numbers there was like a long time there was months six or seven months of kind of trying to work out what it was now at the time when I was doing the holy numbers there was an awful lot of kind of building up a kind of art style and stuff as well so that was part of it but the original story of the holy numbers and the whole thing I was, I was trying to do was so completely different from what it ended up being that there was this kind of idea of having to, you know, try out some ideas or try out a kind of a thing until whatever it was that wanted to be told came about. And then in the end, you know, it just, it kind of, I went into the holy numbers having a very vague kind of idea of what it was going to be, but having confidence enough that I knew that there was something there that... It's very woo, woo but it's like that that's the whole thing like that's when i say when magic is art and art is magic and magic is art all those things what i mean it's it's i completely approach creativity from a kind of a magic point of view or i approach magic from a you know an art point of view or creative point of view so it all kind of blends in and i think it's really good for creativity to come at it from a kind of a magical thinking point of view you know a creation of of new worlds of you know it's all it's all these big magical ideas and it's not surprising to me that you find people like Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and a host of other people. They're the most famous kind of people doing the, the magic comic-y type thing, but there's like loads of people doing it. Um, 
it's no surprise to me that it happened because it's such a great form to do it in. It's like you can literally have, uh, you know, if you were trying to make films or movies, um, you know, it's such a huge budget that you would need to kind of um, do your ideas. Whereas in comic form, you know, you can literally do anything you want once you have the kind of technical ability to uh, to draw these things. Or you can just, if you don't, find someone who has or just do the best you can. But it was great kind of that this kind of download and when I came down this morning and I got into the office, I said, I'm going to write it all out. Usually I wouldn't because I kind of tried to let it percolate a bit more. But this feels more complete and more solid that it was just kind of, no, I'll write it down. And now it's because it gets me to the next stage. Now I can properly start structuring what the actual pages will look like because the actual structure of the comic and the plot line and uh, the stuff it has now arrived. And what arrived last night was a, a, a good chunk of it. Like it, I would say the whole entire first one third of the, the story, possibly. It depends. It's going to be quite uh, decompressed, the whole thing. So could, it's hard to know what exactly is the... Well, I suppose it's the, the point where it's all... The characters are introduced, their world is set up. There's an, an, a somewhat an inciting instance. There's a number of inciting instances, in, in fairness. Uh, and there's like a whole kind of back. So I'd say like the kind of enough of the story, it's the world, it's the setup. All of that is there, complete, whatever. And now from this is where I'm going to put the characters in and see what they do with it. And I'm as interested to see what um, uh, is the outcome. Now, with the kind of thing is that there is a hyper sigilist to it. So there is a, a kind of a thread going through it of stuff that has to be in place because that's what I'm trying to, you know, from a magic point of view, rather than just a strict art point of view, I'm trying to, you know, manifest in many different ways. It's funny, I was thinking as well, that, um, that, that it happened at night, late at night, because when I was doing other comics, when I was doing previous comics, that kind of thing would happen um, when I was out having a smoke. And of course, I haven't smoked in years now, so there's no kind of similar kind of brain state where, where I would be outside just kind of allowing my brain to just, I don't know, go into a certain kind of receptive state, um, you know, because you're, you're pulled away from, you know, any kind of, I suppose, exciting stimuli. You're not in front of the telly, you're not in front of the computer, you're just kind of outside looking at you know, bushes and other houses in the sky. And kind of the, the pre-sleep state is the only kind of place where that kind of exists in my life now. Other than the meditative state, which would be similar, but you're trying not to think, you know, you're not trying, you're trying to, you know, not engage, which is you kind of, in a sense, while it's, you're, you're being receptive in this kind of download type of thing of the story, it's still not a meditative type, type thing. It wouldn't be conducive to that kind of what you're trying to cultivate in a med meditative practice. But it is funny that the only kind of space now is this kind of pre-sleep state, which is fine. And, I'm, uh, you know, it's totally worth it. But it was like after three, uh, three o'clock in the morning by the time I got to sleep. And I really felt when I was woken up by uh, the wee man this morning at seven, I was like, going, oh, that's just not enough sleep. So it's not it's I'm glad it's not something in a sense that happens every night. Um, I know Tom Waits has talked about, uh, well, Elizabeth uh, Gilbert has talked about Tom Waits talking about the whole idea of that when ideas arrive for him, sometimes are at the really wrong kind of a, a time for him to, you know, to be kind of uh, able for it. So like he'd be driving and he'd be like screaming at the ideas or the songs that are arriving in his case and going, come back, you know, come back when I'm able to do something with you. I'm driving on the highway now. There's nothing I can do. Um, you know, come back when I'm sitting at the piano or when I'm doing something like that. But uh it's all very fun and it's um, 
I, I am so enjoying it. And I'm so kind of, uh, my only kind of reservation, I suppose, about the whole thing of fear or trepidation or whatever is the correct word is that when I'm writing this and it kind of, and it's set in the world before coronavirus. And because I don't really know what the world is going to look like after coronavirus, I'm kind of hesitant to fully start because I'm going, well, some of this might be relevant anymore. Like some of the things might be, you know, it just, that, you'd be going, but that just doesn't make sense anymore because that's not the world we live in. And I suppose, of course, I could set it all in the past, which might be a, a kind of a, if the world changes dramatically, it might be something that I have to do to kind of, um, you know, make it all work and fit within kind of things or just have it set in a kind of a, you know, like that thing after 9-11 where the West Wing did an episode, but it was all like started off it was saying like this. Don't try to find where this episode fits in with, you know, the rest of the um, the series or where it fits in with the real world. It's just kind of its own thing. So you could probably have the world just kind of its own thing, which to a large extent it is things working out in my brain that probably <laughs> I need to let percolate. But that is kind of my only kind of fear and my own kind of hesitation of, you know, literally starting the first page today um, is that I'm still unsure of what the world is going to look like by the time this comes out. And I, I want it to be relevant to that world. I think it'll be a better world. I hope it's a better world. Um, so it's not my, my... So it's not that it's kind of... Well, I suppose there is a kind of a sense that maybe I won't be... You know, there won't be a world receptive to it. But if my overriding sense is I want it to be relevant to whatever is the thing that comes out. Tommy's added a rambling thing again. Um, but that's it. Like, so I, I think I may just have to just go ahead and just start and just hope for the best and hope that, you know, the world that we do arrive in is, um, you know, kind of a good place to be. And I, I can only imagine, I can only hope, and I'm going to be positive that it, that it is and it's receptive to what I want to talk about and what this idea has presented itself to me and if, if, if an idea is coming from idea space and wants to manifest in this world then I assume that um, its time has come and it's not just that it's um, going to be, arrive you know in a place that's in some sense not hostile is too strong a word but in, in that's not going to foster it in the way it could had it come 10 years ago or 10 years in the future ideas seem to have their own kind of volition and their own kind of way. So I'm going to trust in the idea more than my um, nervous brain that's kind of uh, has trepidation around the whole thing. So exciting times. I'm um, looking forward to I'm looking forward to the whole thing because now this is the bit I've been waiting for. This is <clears throat> this marks the end of the, the pre-production for the most part. A few bits here now, but it's you know, this is this is where the, 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 all the work that you've kind of put into the pre-production try and get it where now the story and the idea is taking its own life and it's very obvious that um, my collaborator from idea space has has shown up for me now which is great so good people of the internet until our next adventure be safe be kind and be well And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by opening up a package. This will work better, obviously, in video than it will in audio. I'm sorry, audio people. And this is from the Apocryphal Aporium. Say that ten times fast while drunk. 
Um, and I put this up on my social media during the week, but it's the, this uh, fantastic new t-shirt. Openy, openy, openy. As you can see, the Cthulhu and Punisher. Oh, it smells really nice. Um, so yeah, um, links will be in the description. I get, you know, this is an affiliate anything. This is just a friend of mine and his friends and put this together. And uh, they also do that Eris badge that I have on my jacket that I've also posted about before. Um, and that's awesome. That's Printing's great. It even has a TK on the label <laughs> just for me. <laughs> so I'd advise you all to get it as part of the let's all support each other type stuff. It's Sephirion, uh, Sephirion, excuse me. His, um, it's coming out of his blog. He was on one of the Magic Me uh, magic me. I'm not Jason Liv. He's on one of the Magic People podcasts and uh, he's, you know, he does be on Discord and stuff like that. So anyhow, and I've posted, he did a great post there this week about um, uh, fear is the mind killer mantra for washing your hands. Among, like, that's just one element of his post, but it's all about fear and how not to give in to the fear. So next I want to talk a bit about someone else. Uh, again, in the whole let's support all each other. And this is as if this guy needs an awful lot of my help, in fairness, is uh, Mike Oming. Mike Oming is one of my favourite artists of all time. I came across him first uh, when he was doing Powers with Michael Bendis. And I spent many, many, many uh, years really enjoying that. And still, up until very recently, um, was still a, a going concern. It kind of was very sporadic, sporadic even. But... Uh, I met when I first got into comics and uh, to actually drawing comics and stuff like that. I signed up to his uh, message board, and some of you might remember the whole Bendis board stuff. It was like it was the center of the universe for an awful lot of people, and some people I've met on that. This is what twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, possibly. I still see, and uh, like in you know they're, they live in America, and you know they've come over, and we've met them in London a couple of years ago, and stuff like that, and of. There's kind of a thing now where I only <laughs> I only talk to people in real life exclusively that I've met on the internet. But anyway, Mike Oming, who you might uh, have come across as, uh, as the guy who did Alistair and Adolf, which is the graphic novel he did with Douglas Rushkoff about Alistair Crowley's kind of um, uh, adventures in World War Two and Hitler. And, this, and it's just like the artwork is so fantastic. Um, it's like a really, really good job. And I mean, it's kind of that. Uh, can you show nudity on YouTube? Not sure. Um, it's really, really great. And uh, you can you can obviously tell that my style has stolen a fair bit from Mike Oman. Un, you know, unashamedly, I will admit that. Um, he has a YouTube channel where he does, uh, you know, just him drawing some tutorials, some different things. So if that's kind of your, uh, your interest, check him out. He's on Twitter, Facebook, all these things. Links in the show description. The other thing is I got some post. There's a guy called Todd, and he met me in uh, the RuneSid Premium Members Forum back when I was a member. Um, and he uh, he kind of got into the whole spirit of Gordon White's thing of, you know, have the, the old style communication. He started writing to a lot of people, and he was writing to me. Um, 
and I just got a letter from the other day, which I still, Todd, if you're watching, I haven't responded to yet, but I, I just, I, I will, I have, just have to get time. But he sent me some nice photos. He always sends me cool stuff, it's like mad stuff, in, in, in a good way, like just really interesting kind of things. Um, so he has some of the 47s, all the cards, and this is um, him with them out and about. Well, not him with them, just them out and about. Can you see this? It's just good content in um, Philadelphia. So what is the name of this place? The Constitution, Constitutional Center. So that's cool. I like getting letters. If any of you would like to send me letters, I would be uh, much appreciated of it. Because I used to, when I was younger, um, back before the internet, kids, back before that was a, 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 you know, a thing, I used to be in correspondence with loads of people, and particularly when people are into comics and stuff like that, um, when I was a teenager, and used to write to my cousin and you know, and I used to really, really get excited when you'd see the postman coming with a letter. It's not quite the same with an email, although it depends on the email, I suppose, of what's coming. But uh, I do like the idea of, uh, of letters. So if it's something you're into, I did think about this before, of uh, you know, setting up pen pal things. Uh, within When I was in CMG, we were going through something, but that was just an awful lot of work, an awful lot of thing. So maybe I won't do that. If someone would like to help out with setting up pen pals for the Adventures and Movie Discord or something like that, then uh, let me know. But I, I just don't have time, but I think it's a great idea. The last kind of thing I want to uh, show is this. So, now, get it so I can see it right. So these are the pages that I will be using to do out the rough kind of thumbnail sketches for the new comic. And as you can see, it says Adventure Mover at the bottom. And at the top, and I have notes and all that. So I've all printed out. So this is the stage where I'm at, where I'm actually going to start working out what's going on the page. And I'm very excited. Um, it's still as yet untitled, and I'm just kind of going, going to go with the adventures in Wuwu as the title of it until it comes up with a title. And that may stick, it may not. I have originally kind of liked the idea of adventures in Wuwu as a comic, but it was more then as a kind of like a web comic more kind of a cartoony type thing, but we'll see. I, I, if, it, if the name is not Adventures in Mubu, then it will arrive in its own good time. So just to kind of round out this video uh, a bit more is uh, just to remind you, first of all, I'll go into the other thing in a second, to, um, that I do have this Corona bundle on sale. Links are in the description where all the Grimoire of the 47s, the digital deck, a couple of other things, and all my comics are for sale at, uh, in a digital kind of format for whatever price you want to pay for it. So if you would like to support me, you can do that or um, join my Patreon. Loads of stuff goes on on Patreon. I post loads of things. So yeah, um, today has been mostly a very kind of positive day for me. And I, in general, I'm kind of keeping a kind of calmness, kind of positiveness around the whole thing. And just kind of, it's hard every now and again because you will start you know, because I have to kind of engage with social media still. Um, and I'm doing it a bit more than I was doing it because I had kind of left Facebook for the most part. And now I'm kind of going in just to try and... My, one of my agendas is to try and uh, inject a little positivity onto Facebook so that your wall isn't just all negative. But also I'm trying to post the links and being a bit more interactive and that kind of thing while everyone's kind of at home and kind of doing the, um, the best I can to, you know, get the word out there on my videos and my comic and all that kind of businessy boring sense. But I'm enjoying the interaction for the most part. But every now and again, there's kind of something will come in, either it be an email or a post or a tweet 
or Reddit or whatever, and it'll just kind of destroy the whole kind of positivity and fear will set in again. And I'm trying very hard to kind of barrier myself from all of that and, you know, unfollow people and, you know, unsubscribe to email newsletters, whatever it is that, you know, and stay out of our conspiracy on Reddit for as much as I can. Although there's parts of it that's still fun. But it's just this kind of notion that the world is falling apart and that, you know, on... And the thing I talked about before where you've... Everyone is kind of pushing fear at you. And why I'm kind of re readdressing this is because there seems to be a second drive of this happening. And I want you to try and, in a sense, not fall... Not fall for in that it's, it's not necessarily a trap, but not fall into the, the kind of despair and that kind of thing. Um, because it's easy to do, and the longer this kind of goes on, and we need to keep reminding ourselves about this type, this type of stuff. Um, from both sides, say you have the mainstream media, which is telling us this is the worst epidemic, pandemic, the world has ever seen, everyone's going to die, you know, all of this, all the old people are going to die, and then they're saying, oh, maybe all the old people should die, because the economy's going to be fucked. So not only have you the fear about dying and all your loved ones dying, you also have the fear about the world afterwards, because no one's going to have any money, or everyone's business is going to fall apart. Or as, you know, like Wall Street won't exist or whatever is all of these things. So you have this kind of narrative going. And then on the other side, you have this kind of conspiratorial thing where um, it's even worse than that. So that's kind of, that's nothing. That's just them kind of hiding the fact that they're making, your life is going to be so much worse after this. And, uh, you know, that there's so many bad things about to happen to you. And this is the end of everything as you know it. And, uh, you know, things are much worse and the world is a terrible place and the elites are terrible and you're terrible for letting it happen. And, you know, um, God forbid that in this kind of calmness or this kind of um, lockdown that you should enjoy yourself, you should be worried about what's coming ahead. And, you know, how dare you, you know, enjoy yourself or, you know, in some way be OK with what's going on, with, you know, with when the world as we know it is about to be taken away for some crushed and it's yeah that's like just oh man if the world is about to end there's fucking nothing i can do about it there's fucking nothing you can do about it for the most part that's not to say let's just let all it all happen if there's something you can do about it do it <laughs> if you have the ability to stop the end of the world you should probably do it um all i'm able to do is continue doing as best i can the things i want to do um, so that when, as I move forward, I'm still working on the things that I want to work on, say my comic, my, my you know, the, my writing, my art and all that stuff and keep going and not get kind of, not kind of get scared to not do that anymore or to, you know, that, to feel that that's been taken away from me because it's not, as yet, has not been taken away from me. In fact, there's more creativity going on now than there ever has been. So this idea of your, your kind of creativity and your dreams being taken away doesn't seem to be congruent with what's actually going on is that more people have time to be creative and stuff like that. I know they're talking more about the future than, than, than now. But I'm just going to continue and I'm going to do my comic um, with the positive kind of hope that there's a world for that my art and all to exist in afterwards. I just do the best I can because ultimately if I can't do anything about it, all I can do is act in the way that it's kind of going to lead me to, you know, have some sort of sense of purpose or sense of, you know, still being able to exist in the world. And it's like this kind of thing that I said in other videos as well, we're saying like support the things now that you want to exist, like buy the t-shirts of, of your friends who are doing, making the t-shirts, you know, watch the YouTube videos of the people that you want to exist and all that. And just encourage and foster 
all of the things that you would like to exist. Because if it is the end of the world, if the conspiracy people are right, then, you know, we have to fight in a, in a sense of, let's try and keep the things that we want within the kind of scope of the, thing, of the power that we have or whatever. Because I don't think we have as much power if the conspiracy thing is to be taken seriously. Um, then obviously we have no power. They can, you know, switch off the entire world because they want to do something with the stock exchange or crush the economy or, oh, I don't know, adrenochrome or Tom Hanks, whatever the conspiracy is. And if it is the pandemic and everyone you know, going to die and the economy, I just like, just have to just keep going and do the thing. And it's okay, I think, anyway, to feel okay within the apocalypse. It's okay to not be worried. It's okay to not be afraid. It doesn't make you a bad person if you're not afraid or if you're not terrified or if you're not taking it serious enough or if you're having a bit of fun with it. I think that's perfectly fine because what is the point otherwise? You know, like, if we're being faced with adversity, is it just to fall apart? Let's be bitter and angry and just fall apart or let's show what we're doing. Let's be creative. Let's, you know, talk to people we haven't talked to in ages. Let's stay in contact with each other. Let's be happy. Let's be positive. And let tomorrow be damned. Probably is damned in the, in the, the truer sense. But like, let's get there. We get there. Let's get there when it happens, if it happens. But spending the next couple of weeks worrying about it happens isn't going to change whether it happens or not. It's only going to add to the worry. And you have this double kind of thing of feeling the worry and the actual thing that happens and it's just I don't know rambling it's what I do all I want you to feel that it's okay to be happy even if the world is falling apart and it's okay to still continue doing your art it's okay to still have dreams and it's okay to have moments of panic too don't feel that you can't you know it's like it's a weird time for everyone and and just look after yourself and look after each other Try not to get angry at each other or try not to kind of blame other people or try not to kind of, you know, put fault in other people or if people have slightly different worldviews than you, that, you know, try to be as okay with people. Try to be a good person in the, in the, in the kind of best possible way that you can and be the best expression of yourself. Because now is the time we need to do that. Maybe the end of the world. I'm sticking with the thing that I don't think it's the end of the world. There's something in me since this started, for the most part, that it feels like I'm being held. It feels like there's a kind of, it's a bit woo woo, go with me, an energy of like, you know, the mother, the mother kind of archetype or Gaia or the goddess or something that I haven't felt in years. And I haven't felt this kind of calm and positive before in my adult life. And when I did the reading for the 47, it's part one of it was that, you know, protect yourself, Rise above the noise and listen to your own gut. And I'm going to listen to my own gut. And I ask that you try to trust your own kind of in gut, uh, your own gut, and uh, you know, just try to remain positive as much as you can. And don't give in to the fear. Don't be silly with it either. Like don't kind of um, dismiss it out of hand. Like take it day by day and take you know, the new kind of stuff that's going on. And then if, if we go back and the world is a different place in a really negative way, we'll, we'll sort it out. We'll, we'll get there. I really think that. So, good people of the internet. Be safe. Be kind. Be well. And may our best days be ahead. I really, I really hope so. See you later.
and hello good people of the internet it is i tommy kelly and this is adventures Moo. and in this episode i want to talk a bit about the whole kind of notion of coming out of the broom closet as it was uh, or as it is uh, in the kind of alan moore announcing that you are a wizard to the world well we might not all do it as grand as that and um, there is that kind of fear i suppose that people have about and you know saying to the people around them that they're into this type of thing particularly if you're in some sort of hostile environment conservative environment or some kind of uh, environment that is not conducive to uh, these type of thoughts. Now, before I get into that, I have to first address the elephant in the room, which is my hair. <laughs> I still haven't got around to getting a cut yet. Um, I'm hoping for it to be today or tomorrow. It's amazing how your priorities change when it's the end of the world and the apocalypse is upon us. Um, in fairness, my hair has been worse than other videos, so I don't really know why I'm so... Um, self-conscious about it now I know it's okay it's fine it's uh it's been worse anyway with regard to kind of announcing to the world that you're into uh, magic or whatever it is maybe you're a secret satanist or you're a snake handler whatever kind of divergent ideas you have or, you know like I suppose like even conspiracies or any of these things um compared to people around you and how to kind of, in a sense, deal with that. And I don't know the, the exact answer. I don't know what's the best way to do it. All I can tell you is what I did. So when I, I've always been into this stuff since I was about 12, 13. Um, I kind of got into new age people like Stuart Wilde, there was a bit of Louise Hay. Then I got very quickly into Theosophy and Alice Bailey and some Buddhism. And it kind of progresses from there. Um, and I've never really had people around me that were interested. Now, my family were kind of, you know, there was definitely New Age books knocking around. And my auntie was very much into it. She was the one who got me into Stuart Wilde and Theosophy. But she lived in, uh, in England. And I only seen her maybe once a year or once every two years or something like that. Um, so there wasn't anyone, you know, family-wise that was as much into it as I was. And my, my family were into kind of spiritual ideas, but in, in a more kind of relaxed kind of manner rather than my intense needing to know everything and discuss everything. But none of my friends were in it, in, in, into it. Apart from one guy in secondary school who uh, also played guitar and we kind of shared interest in guitar and bands. And I ended, I ended up replacing him in a band then a couple of years later. But he was into Alistair Crowley and he got that kind of from the Jimmy Page element of things. But he, he, he like it was very hard to get Crowley books in those days, like next to impossible. So like someone had managed to get a hold of... Um, magic at some point and you know it's been passed around whatever so people had it for like a night so there was no really kind of intense study of it or whatever but it was just kind of a i don't know a coolness to it if you managed to get your hand out oh yeah i read that you know everything there's no real kind of discussion about it and people were more into it was a fashion thing more than really you know a magic thing and then kind of as years went on most of the people who i interacted with her who i met actually had the polar opposite kind of ideas around uh, or outlook than me they were very much would fall into the reductionist materialist atheist type cat category even if they wouldn't label themselves like that either it was completely dismissive of the whole thing or had a very kind of coming from a, a catholic background mainly here in ireland and had a very kind of um anger towards anyone who was in had any kind of spiritual belief or any kind of uh you know, religious kind of outlook in life. And it was kind of very much the kind of main kind of uh, attitude of people towards religious thought or spiritual thought or magic thought was disdain, but also a kind of an idea of that you're obviously uh, of lesser intelligence. This kind of insistence 
that not believing in spiritual matters made you a more intelligent person or actually conversely believing in them made you a stupid person so kind of talking about these things uh, uh, had the stigma of being an idiot so i didn't because you know who wants to be seen as an idiot when i went to college in my kind of mid mid 20s i went and did holistic health studies and there was like i think 24 of us in the class something there was me and another guy and the rest were women and even in that there wasn't an awful lot of spiritual thought there was one wiccan and there was an, another girl who kind of had uh, good notions around certain things but the rest all kind of came from a beauty background or a kind of a I don't, I don't know like just a general kind of thing but even within that kind of circle there was a kind of um it just uh, you know or not a disdain it wasn't quite that much but it was like a, a poo-pooing of spiritual ideas like the reiki class was kind of not taken as seriously as uh, the aromatherapy class for instance in that you know it seemed aromatherapy seemed a bit more science-based than this reiki woo-woo which depending on what way you want to kind of get into uh, uh, aromatherapy it has its own woo-woo-ness to it too of course and um, then in bands and all that uh, i came definitely across people who were very very angry and they would immediately shut down uh, any kind of conversation around these things so basically what i'm saying is there was no one i had met up until very recently who was into any of this and so i just didn't talk about it and it felt like it was something like in a sense a little dirty secret that i had that i hid from the world that i wasn't allowed to talk about and um, that would deem me less intelligent or less smart or less worthwhile or less um I don't know less helpful or less part of the community if i talked about it to be the smart to be you know part to conform to do the thing was to be a reductionist angry militant atheist every other kind of opinion uh, wasn't allowed in any circle i've been around practically uh, with you know the people here and there like it's, it wasn't a complete you know sea of it but for the most part we're talking 95 percent of people i've met so when it came to a kind of a, a thing a couple of years ago where I decided that I was going to start doing blogs about it and I was going to do all these things, it was definitely a magical revealing act that I did. And I kind of chickened out in one sense at the beginning uh, because I did it under a different name which was Fratter Blue, <sighs> a terrible name but that's what it was. But uh, like within about a week Facebook had said no you can't use this name so I had to use my real name because I had deleted all my previous social media up to then. Up to then. And then I did Adventures in Woo Woo and I just said, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to just, you know, come out, say who I am, start making videos because it scares me. It scares me on two levels. It scares me because I'm going to be talking about these things openly. And two, because I've a really kind of um, a bad physical sense of myself that I don't like looking at myself. I feel uncomfortable. Um, all those things I've talked about in different videos and in blog posts, particularly weight loss for the soul, all that kind of stuff. It's irrelevant, I suppose, now. But it was a big magical work of revealing myself, both physically spiritually intellectually and all of these other things emotionally all of these things and what i noticed is for the most part most people don't care and that was echoed very quickly by uh, gordon white of runesup who said that when he was asked in an ama on cmg and he was saying like what, what do the people who you know you work with think about this and at the time he was working in like advertising in london and he goes no one cares just no one cares and we have this kind of sense that no one does care or that people do care about these thoughts. And what I have found is that people in general, the general kind of thing, don't care. You know, they'll, they'll kind of um, either ignore you or just, or, you know, just, just kind of, yeah, whatever, you know, be, be into whatever you want. 
The people who will come out of the woodwork to start arguing with you what it, the best thing I've decided to do and what I think is I just don't argue with them. Um, I don't debate them. I don't, I don't feel the need to have to do that. It's like they want to do that, fine. I'll, I'll discuss things with them, absolutely. I'll talk about different topics and that kind of thing, but I'm not debating them. And coming from the, th the whole kind of attitude that I'm not fully sold on magic as an actual real thing, as it being a reality, that uh, as a chaos magician, it's, I act as if it's true and then see what happens. And for the most part, that has worked well for me. So I don't have to want to, need to, or even think it's right to insist that anyone else believes magic is real either. Or, you know, because it mightn't be. It might just be a good working hypothesis that works for me most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. And it extremely doesn't. A lot of the time it does. And it does to extremes too. So I don't feel the need to have to change anyone's mind about anything. I don't ha feel the need to have to um, make myself right and or make that, that other person wrong. I don't have to... There doesn't have to be, if I meet a reductionist materialist atheist, I don't need for him or her to change their mind in order to validate my beliefs about it. And I don't want to kind of... Uh, go around like a Christian ministry trying to convert everyone to magic. I don't care about any of that stuff. I've no need for it. I don't want to. I think everyone should do what is right for them. That's, as a chaos magician, it's, you leave, it's your belief is a tool. It's a subjective experience. If reductionist materialism is working for you, then you have at it. And I, who am I to, you know, disagree? And some days I'm a reductionist materialist anyway. So, I mean, I'm, I would literally be debating myself from a different day. But I can understand it can be a lot harder when it's like people who are very close to like your parents say, or your family and that you have to interact and say they come from a very conservative Christian background. And, you know, to think what you're, if you're into magic, then you're into like proper Satanism, not proper Satanism, like um, Hollywood Satanism, you know, that kind of thing, rather than actual Satanism. Um, and I've never had that, so I can't give you an awful lot of advice other than don't go out of your way to signpost it. And I know the kind of response to that is, well, why can't I just be who, who I am? And I go, well, you have to decide which is more important to you. Signposting it and talking about it and being adversarial to the people around you and having conflict or not doing that and but not fully expressing yourself. And you have to decide which bit is more important until you can manoeuvre your life in such a way that you can, you know, get away from those kind of things if you want, you know, and be yourself. Be yourself somewhere else. You don't have to do it within every kind of unit. You, like, you don't have to, you know, kind of be a wizard at work if that's not kind of helpful to you. You know, be a wizard at home. And, you know, if you have a kind of, I feel if you have a need to kind of present yourself as a wizard for some kind of, I don't know, you know, for some sort of acolytes or, some, or not acolytes, that's not the word, for some sort of, um, to be seen in a certain light. Then I, you know, um, have a think about that. What, what, what are you actually looking for? What is that? Are you looking for conflict? Are you looking for people to kind of come at you? Are you looking for debate? Whatever it is. And, you know, do you need that? Do you want that? Is it conducive to good health? Is it, you know, is it long term going to um, help you at work or whatever is the situation? Is it going to help you in your family unit or whatever? So I'm much happier talking about it open and I, the key to that is again not feeling a need to have to change anyone else's mind about it or uh, which is also I don't feel um, that I have to take up other people's ideas on unless they're helpful to me. I can certainly you know talk to other people and you know I, I will, I do have friends who aren't magicians you know most of my friends I say aren't into this kind of stuff so it's 
it's tough. You know, depending on your situation, it's going to be harder for other people than, uh, you know, it's going to be harder for some people than it is for other people. And it's just you have to kind of find some sort of balance around it, whether, you know, to, if that means do it in secret, you know, to will, to dare, to be silent, all of this kind of stuff, um, then so be it. And it, um, it comes at the risk of, or at the kind of lack of being able to fully express yourself as who you want. But I mean, life is full of compromises. And if you can manoeuvre your life to kind of get around these type of things, then ultimately you might be better off. Long and short of it is, I can only tell you what I did. And uh, I found that by announcing it to the world that most people didn't care and the people who I thought would be more hostile than they were, weren't. Um, that's the best thing I can do is, is try it. I know I didn't, I didn't really have anything to lose other than a sense of um, my own kind of pride in a way or my kind of how I felt other people might view me, which is ego. Um, but I was at, at the stage that I didn't really care anymore. I just, just to totally didn't care what other people thought about me anymore. Um, and so I didn't really have an awful lot to, to, to lose, I suppose, in that sense. Uh, so you have to gauge how much you feel you're going to lose out of it. And uh, is it worth it? You don't have to tell people you're a wizard. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how helpful that is other than it's just my story. And that's um, what I did. And it's sometimes I've, I've struggled with it still, depending. And I don't bring it up. If I know people aren't into it, I don't go around talking about it. I'll talk about, you know, I can kind of chameleon myself to you know get into whatever situation I'm in and talk to people on the level that the interaction or the relationship actually is rather than trying to force magic into every conversation or any you know every interaction and stuff like that that's all I, that's the best I can do I could continue and ramble a bit more and be you know become steadily more incoherent as we go on but I'll leave it there so good people of the internet if you have some suggestions on things you would like me to talk about please by all means tell me because doing a video every day is uh, sometimes hard to come up with uh, an interesting thing to talk about so any kind of feedback in that would be most helpful until tomorrow be safe be kind and uh, be well <laughs> <laughs>